Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. His name got dropped in the Grant Wilson episode, and I had to chase him down and figure out his story. So, grew up playing volleyball and hockey at a very high level, including playing hockey in the WHL, where he's competed at the Memorial Cup tournament. He played hockey at Acadia University before deciding volleyball was going to be his true passion and his true sport, and is currently a member of the Fraser Valley. Please welcome to the show, Max Paddock. Max, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So... Your dad is an Olympian. Uh, your uncle's very involved in the hockey world. I'm guessing you grew up in a, in a very sporty family. So just take me through growing up. Like, obviously, you played volleyball and hockey, but were you playing any sport possible? Like a pretty outdoorsy kid just wanted to compete? Yeah. From as long as I can remember, it was play any sport possible. And super fortunate that my parents kind of gave me that, that chance. You know, I played baseball, soccer, golf, basketball, volleyball, pretty much anything that you could think of. And, uh, you know, my mom was a phys ed teacher. She still is. And my dad was for a little bit. And so there was always gym time where, you know, we'd go in there when my mom was writing report cards and, uh, just play around in the gym for hours. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I didn't know that about your mom. That's, that's so cool. So do you think with her being a gym teacher, that just helped the well-roundedness that it doesn't sound like you were forced to do one sport that you were going to be a volleyball player or a baseball player. Like you got to kind of pursue what you were passionate about at that time. Yeah, yeah, my parents were super great about it growing up. Like, it was kind of just whatever I wanted to do. Like, they didn't force me to play hockey. They didn't force me to do anything. If I didn't want to play sports at all, that was fine. But but they opened any door possible for me, and uh, super grateful that they were able to do that for me. Now, uh, according to LTAD, if coaches want to follow that, usually around 14, 15, and maybe at least by 16, athletes have to choose one sport. And I'm wondering with your pathway, when did you start to eliminate certain sports and maybe stop playing three or four a year and maybe pick one or two? I don't, I still haven't done that, I guess. <laughs> um, so growing up, I actually was pretty competitive in racquetball. I, was the national championship, which is a little bit nerdy to say, but uh, I think I won it. I started when I was seven and was either winning or came, came second place until I was about 12, I think. And it, it just conflicted too much with hockey because it was during the winter. So during the winter, I wanted to play hockey and volleyball, and it just didn't work out, so I had to drop that sport. Um and then in the summer, as I got older, once I got to like 14, 15, 16, my sports then kind of narrowed down to in the winter, I played volleyball and hockey. And then the summer, I played a lot of baseball and then sprinkled in some golf in there too. Played semi-competitively in some golf tournaments around Brandon, Manitoba. Um, and then, yeah, I still, still play baseball and still play golf in the summer and then Still play a little bit of hockey here and there uh, in the summer and winter, just some some beer league stuff, and then obviously still playing volleyball. I, I got to know because uh, goalies have a reputation. When you play beer league for fun, are you a skater now, or do you still strap on the pads? Oh, absolutely, I don't think I'll ever strap on the pads. I need to I need to score some goals here to to balance out. I let a lot in during my career, so I got to score some to make it a little bit even nice nice so how did you manage it or how did your parents manage it getting to all those competitions because obviously club ball is mostly tournament based especially in the in uh, like the brandon area and hockey i imagine was maybe league based but also some tournaments so what would you do if you ever had a conflict like would you pick one over the other or try to make both work like how are you just going all over the place playing two sports at a high level um well i was kind of fortunate enough uh it 
for the most part worked. I mean, I'd miss some practices, but, uh, a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of the guys, but a couple guys that did both with me as well. And one of the dads, his name is Jake Thompson. He plays volleyball at uh, Douglas college here. So his dad is the phys ed teacher at Neyland high school. And so we would practice there. So we had that flexibility where we could kind of just go into the gym around our hockey practice times. Um, so we kind of made it work for that during the week. And then during the weekends, most of the tournaments were in Winnipeg for volleyball and for hockey, or they were in Brandon. So you're kind of already there. So maybe I'd pop in and play a game or two of volleyball and then have to go to my hockey game or vice versa. And I was always just kind of there. And again, like I said, it was a big commitment by my parents to, to drive me around all, all over the place. And, and even for my coaches too, because I'm sure that, that they would have uh, just kind of appreciated if I had just showed up to all the games and not just kind of been all over the place. But I, I feel like in the end, we kind of all made it work out. Playing hockey, you were a goalie, which I think hockey players would say that that's a unique characteristic. And in volleyball currently with Fraser Valley, you're setting. Were you always a setter growing up in volleyball? Like, were you always kind of playing these uh, unique personality positions in sports? Yeah, well, in, in volleyball, like, you had, you had Grant Wilson on here before, too, and he had mentioned uh, that, you know, we always kind of played every position. So it was, it was a similar similar uh setup to when we were growing up that we kind of just played every position and then it wasn't until like grade 10 or 11 where i was setting for the most part and then i'd play left side the odd time but grade 11 was i i just strictly set yeah now when you finally had to sign, uh, like with Regina and get to the, the WHL deal there, were they demanding at all? Because I understand there's going to be some injury risk. Obviously, they, they draft and develop athletic dudes. But uh, did they ever shut down and say, listen, you're not doing this volleyball thing anymore. Like, you can't roll an ankle. Or maybe you can golf in the summer, but we don't want you playing baseball. Like, was there any restrictions about being a WHL or a CHL athlete? Um, a little bit. Like, it's in the contract that you can't do like extracurricular sports um, just obviously because of injury. But I mean, it happens all the time where guys go home and they play baseball or they, they do whatever. Um, but no, it, it didn't really stop me. I didn't, I guess I didn't really listen to that, but it just, it took more of a commitment to, to make it to the WHL where I kind of had to stop playing and just focus more on volleyball, but they never straight out said, you know, you can't play this or whatever so um and, and as you develop uh when did you know that either playing uh, nhl ahl or even over in europe wasn't going to be an option just because for our listeners who may not follow the whl uh you compete at the memorial cup which i think is maybe the hardest tournament in sports you have to win your league and then go to a super tournament uh with the host and every league winner and play that out but looking at uh, hockey db which is a great website to go down the rabbit hole you're playing 47 games uh the year you played for regina and prince albert i think you played 48 games like you're logging a lot of minutes you're, you're playing an important position on a team that's winning games uh what kind of happen in hockey that made you want to choose to pursue your education in volleyball instead of maybe going over to Europe and playing hockey? Um, well, for me, uh, I had opportunities. Like I had gone to two NHL camps. I, I played a preseason game with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, we played against Colorado. We lost 3-1, I think it was. Uh, that was the year after, or the summer after my Memorial Cup season. So I was 
had just turned 18 then. So that those kind of professional opportunities were definitely out there. But uh, like you said, I was playing a lot of minutes and it, it was just a lot of wear on my body and on myself mentally, where it's once I got to Acadia, I was just like drained of it. Like it just kind of became a chore and I had to do so much extra work with my body just to be ready to play on the weekend. And long term, I just couldn't see myself kind of grinding out a, a career out of it. So I was fortunate enough that my buddy Reese Wilson, Grant's son, um, had hooked me up with with UFE and we kind of went from there. Now, just for perspective for our listeners, if it's not too personal, obviously volleyball players, uh, shoulders, ankle, knees and everything, but uh, reading a lot what's happening with the goalie position, because you guys play that butterfly style, did you start to experience like some hip breakdown or some knee breakdown just with the, the technique that it's required to play the position in this era? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, my hips, I need, still need surgery on one of them. Um, the other one can maybe wait, but uh, yeah, it's just the way that you stop and the positions that you get into are just so unnatural for, for your body that um, just over time, you, it just kind of falls apart and watches. It's crazy to see how some of these goalies in the NHL are playing as long as they are because you know, I only really played at a high, high level for six or seven years. And I can't imagine like Marc-Andre Fleury, how he's keeping up with it. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just hip injuries, had some concussion problems. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, just kind of my time to, to not put my body through that anymore. Cause you know, it's, it was just uncomfortable day to day. Now, obviously those are some negatives you had to deal with, but with some positives, uh, did you notice any behavior without uh, being a hockey player coming to a different sport? And just one quick anecdote I have is uh, we were at a volleyball tournament at Rim Park and there was uh, a hockey tournament going on. And the 13-year-old hockey players, uh, they would do their own dynamic and they wore other tracksuits and look super professional. But they're, they're warming up in the hallway and they're like dialed in and getting ready. And I was coaching an 18-year boys team, which was like down the hallway in the gym. And, and it was like coaching just monkeys, right? So I think volleyball, because it's a later development sport, uh, there's less uh, maybe attraction to the show at a younger age because obviously you guys get drafted at 18 like did you notice coming from a hockey player that you had some professional habits maybe at a younger age the volleyball guys were still kind of dialing in yeah and that's totally what it what it was you know in volleyball why i liked it so much was that i could just kind of show up and play and you know you play in these tournaments play like five games in a day and you just kind of go out there and, and do your thing whereas hockey you know it's you watch video before you have a pregame skate you do all this stuff um, and that was kind of the mental part that kind of warned me. Um, I'm a little bit of a laid back guy. Um, but that was just, it was a little bit much and, uh, funny story, even for like our first, our home opener here at, at UFE, I wore a full on suit cause that's just what I was used to and, uh, showed up to the gym and everyone else was just kind of wearing like a, a golf shirt and some Lulu pants or whatever. And I was just like, Oh, I'm, I'm not used to this, but it's a, it's a good change for sure. Amazing. Now, was there anything about playing goalie at a high level that helped you with the setter position, whether it was a uh, response to an error or any pressure? Because obviously, if you make a mistake as a goalie at a high level, like everyone knows, there usually results in a goal. And obviously, a setter position, the, the spotlight's going to be on you a lot. Was there anything maybe mentally or your routine that you were able to take and apply it to volleyball right away? Just really, um, like you said, kind of getting over those errors because in 
as a goalie, you make one error that changes the score. And there's only about four or five chances for the score to change in a game, right? So you don't have much room to make errors. And same thing with the setter, setter position too. Errors are going to happen, but it's about how you react to them, right? If you, if you dwell on them, same thing in hockey. If you dwell on your errors, they're just going to eat you up and you're going to make more. So it's, it was definitely a hockey kind of taught me that even in life too, to just be able to move on from your errors and kind of leave them to the side and forget about them and, and go on and play. And you mentioned Reese was a big help in kind of getting your foot back in the door, but I, I want to pursue volleyball and I want to play at a high level. Did you have any conversations with uh, Coach Wilson or did you reach out to, to Nathan Bennett at Fraser Valley right away? Like, obviously, you probably didn't have game tape that was much recent. So obviously, they're taking a bit of a flyer, hoping that you're you're athletic and you can still do what you did a couple of years previously. But uh, I'm curious when you're reaching out to coaches, obviously, Reese can be a big help. But what were some of those first conversations with either Coach Wilson and Brandon or, or Coach Bennett at Fraser? Valley. Yeah, well, I was fortunate enough, like at our open gyms in the summer in Brandon, uh, they, they kind of needed extra guys. Um, so I kind of just went out there to help out and be a, be a guy to serve the ball and dig the ball, kind of whatever. And uh, it was just really rejuvenating when I started doing that again. And I was just talking to Reese, like, I, I really want to do this. Like, I don't know where I can play. I, like, it's, it's a big commitment, right? You know, I've I've put a lot of time into hockey to just kind of drop it in the summer and, and move on would be, was a big commitment. So Reese had kind of mentioned that to Nathan from what I recall or have heard. Um, and then as far as I know, he kind of just took Reese's word for it and, and uh, didn't really have any expectations showing up to camp. I was just going to try and be the best that I could and fill whatever role. Um, and as far as I know, I think, I think Nathan had had some conversations with Grant about me. Um, and I guess Grant put in a, put in a good word for me. Um, but there were, yeah, like you said, there wasn't really much tape to draw on for me. It was kind of just, just a little bit of a prayer, I guess. And is there anything, again, just to kind of harp on your hockey career before we move on to volleyball that you could take away in terms of, uh, pushing the position group and being happy when you're not playing, like supporting the guy, but when it's your number, you're going to battle and you don't want to give that spot up because uh, I'm just thinking as an armchair hockey fan here that uh, comparing the setting position to the the goalie position has got to be a little bit similar in that sense where you don't want to be toxic to the other guy, but you do want to battle and practice and show that you can be the guy, right? Absolutely. It's, it's super similar in that sense. You know, you can only have two, maybe three setters on your team and it's the same thing as a goalie too, right? Um, and that's what I liked about this, this past year was, you know, I was there to kind of push, push Jonas, our other setter, um, and support him too. And when things don't go as well, and, um, that's what being a good competitor and being a good teammate is all about, right. Is, is supporting your teammate, but also pushing him and challenging him to be better. And that's a great, great way to compare goaltender and setter, right. It's just, it's a limited position and it's, it's a pretty specified position as well. And with uh, 
Frigerelli kind of joining new sports a little bit late. Obviously, it's a mixed group, but uh, to kind of magnify that a little bit, a uh, couple Alberta guys, a couple Toba guys, a lot of BC guys, I think even an Ontario cat here. Uh, and obviously, you you had a built-in friendship because obviously, uh, I believe you and Reese grew up together, but uh, how did you kind of get comfortable with the team? Because uh, one, I think everybody's new, but you're definitely new joining the kind of the OGs in that first uh, U-Sports year, right? You were, you were a second-year guy? Yeah. Yeah, I was second-year. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure they had some question marks when they had this hockey player show up to their day one of training camp. They they probably were scratching their head a little bit. But I'm fortunate enough that I live with four other guys, Reese's including that group. Um, we have a house with uh, one of the parents, and that was just a great way to get into it. They those guys are all stars on the team that I live with, so it was kind of just nice to get set in. And when I show up to camp, I already knew some guys and was able to, to talk to them and kind of pick their brains about stuff and just hanging around the house all day with them. is It's so much fun. And uh, early on, um, obviously like the, the record is what the record says, but looking at some of these matches, uh, you guys really compete. I mean, you, you lose to UBC in five, you lose to Trinity in five. Like what was it like being around a group where maybe some people around the league are kind of like, Oh, these guys are, they're similar to an expansion team. They're this or that. When you kind of get into the nitty gritty here, I think um, it might've been preseason, but you guys beat Brandon. And then later on as things go, like I said, you're, you're taking like really tough teams to five sets here. Uh, I know the result is what it is, but what was it like being a part of a team that's just going to grind and seem like there wasn't going to be any easy nights. Right. Yeah. I think that that's, almost the best way to be is to be that underdog, right? Teams come into your gym or you go into, into other gyms and uh, your opponents maybe take you lightly and, and you capitalize on that opportunity. Um, like you said, the record isn't great, um, but we had so many close matches. I think that we lost eight five-setters or something along those lines. Um, so just to be able to see that we're right there um, is really really good for us going into this year too. We added some guys um, and we're, we're making steps in the right, in the right direction here with the program. And I'd love to get your perspective on this because I'm a big fan of the Canada West schedule. So uh, what is coach Bennett and what is the team like to do to prepare for these back-to-backs? Cause I think it's, it's so gnarly that you go in with a game plan uh, and they're going to adjust and you're going to adjust and you have to repeat it the next day. And like I said, with your conference, there are no easy matches. So uh, it wasn't unusual for you guys to go five and then have to go home rest and do it all again the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it can be a tough schedule, especially when you're on the road. Um, but it's, it's good. It, it challenges us. Right. Um, but it, it is tough. You know, you go, you go in there with a game plan on Friday night and then some things happen, they make adjustments to us. And then the next day we're back at the drawing board and kind of quickly preparing for the next night. Um, especially as some teams, you know, they play the guys play in the second game on the Friday night. And then on Saturday they play the first game. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, but that's, that's what sport is about, right? It's about challenging yourself, challenging each other. And, uh, we put up some good fights on the road too. And how, uh, with your position group, uh, did you get used to the concept of, uh, 
either starting or coming in as a late sub or a double sub? Because looking at your stat line, obviously you got some minutes and you contributed right away. Uh, I think Jonas is maybe technically the guy who started the most matches, but how did you stay ready knowing that uh, you might have to come in and you might only have to play two or three rotations or maybe they want you to get a serve and a dig? Like, How could you stay mentally ready just when your number did get called? Well, I just watched kind of what Jonas is doing and what, what's working. Um, more specifically, I guess I'd watch what their middle blocker was doing um, just to kind of get an idea on, on where to set the ball or if they're staying neutral or following the middle, so on and so forth. Um, but other than that, yeah, I was just kind of staying loose, like not overthinking it because sometimes, you know, if you're staying there, it's it's easy to kind of uh, have paralysis by analysis and just kind of overdo things. Right. Um, and then, yeah, when, when Bennett called my name, I'll go in there, try my best to put in a good serve and get a dig or, you know, run the offense for a couple rotations, like you mentioned. Um, and that's, that's exactly what I was hoping to do in my first year was just kind of contribute in some way or another. And I was fortunate enough to, to have a somewhat, big role on the team in my first year and do you remember um late november when your numbers started to get called a little bit like i think you started against the mount royal series and then obviously you played major minutes against alberta uh like did your mindset change did practice change did you get any expectations on yourself obviously like did the coach communicate with you that you're going to get the call and it was going to be your show to play that first mount royal game yeah so actually what happened was the thursday night at practice Jonas had rolled his ankle pretty bad oh, no. and had a pretty pretty bad ankle injury. So it was kind of just quick turnaround from there. It was, and it was right at the end of practice too. So didn't give him any more reps after that. Um, but I think that that was good. Like I said earlier, I, it didn't give me much time to kind of overanalyze things. I just went out there and did the best that I could really. Um, and then for that U of A, U of A series, I, I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't nervous walking into the Seville Center and we there was a lot of people there and obviously they were the number one ranked team. Um, so yeah, there was definitely some nerves going into it, but at the end of the day, I was able to just kind of tell myself like I'm not not supposed to win, right? I'm a I'm a hockey player here playing against guys that have been training as volleyball players for the past ten years, like everyone expects me to not do well or for us to lose. So anything putting up a good fight or maybe taking a couple sets off of them is, is a big step in the right direction. Um, and that really helped me build on for the, for the rest of that, that sort of season. Do you think that's helped you a little bit that you kind of left this world and came back where, you know, sometimes when I walk into a gym, I know where somebody played club or who they're related to, or I've seen them play and I kind of get like starstruck a little bit about like, Ooh, who's this guy where maybe you're walking into U of A and you don't know who Jordan Canham is. Cause you never got to play against him or anything like that. Like, do you ever find yourself getting caught up in like the weeds about like, Oh, so-and-so plays for this school. So they're supposed to be really good. Or are you just ready to show up and play whoever? Yeah, that was, that was exactly it. I mean, by the end of the season, I knew the names and, and who were the top guys, but those first the first game especially of the of the weekend series like i would know them by number but i wouldn't really know them by name and you know at the end of the game I'm like oh yeah canham he's a good player um or or whatever right 
Um, but I think that that did definitely help me out to just kind of relax and just go out there and, and play volleyball, right? Not worry about what's going on on the other side and just focus on what I'm doing. And obviously you're a competitive guy and you want to get in against whoever, but uh, the second night against Brandon, when you get the call, and I mean, you go four for four on setter dumps, 39 assists, uh, 10 digs. Was that kind of cool just looking over and knowing that that's like your dad's school and obviously you have a relationship with Coach Wilson? Like, well, was there anything personal going on there or like that could happen against anybody and you would have been just as dialed? Uh, no, I think that there was definitely a little bit of an extra edge to that one. Um, you know, we we train or me and Reese train against those guys all summer long. And like you said, Grant, Grant coached me through a club up until I hung up the shoes for a little bit. Uh, and my parents made the trip out to, to BC to watch. So there was definitely a little bit more of an edge to it. And uh, the game did get a little bit chippy. Me and one of my buddies who's a middle on BU, uh, I think there was an overpass and I went up and I blocked him. Like, I'm not a huge blocker, right? I'm only about 6'3", and I don't have a crazy touch. But went up and blocked him, and I just stared him down. And and then we were just – we got quite serious about the chirps, and, and we're kind of going at each other. But, you know, we, we gave each other a big hug at the end of the game, and it was all it was all fun. And that's that was just competition. Nice, nice. And one other cool moment I think you got to experience is uh, last game of the season, you guys are playing Toba, and obviously you play major minutes and have a good game. Uh, any family and friends at that one? Like, I, obviously, you being a Fraser Valley guy, but you're a little bit far from home. I'm wondering, did anybody make the trip and watch you guys play Toba this year? Yeah, yeah, we had good support. Um, a couple family friends made the trip out, some family members that live in Winnipeg. My parents came out. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was playing against. My dad played at U of M and uh, Josh Gagnon, who's a libero on our team. His dad also played at U of M, Terry, uh, Terry Gagnon. And uh, yeah, it was cool to kind of go into that gym. And like you said, I had spent many club club days in that gym on smaller courts or with the dividers up. But uh, it was cool to walk into that gym and see all those bleachers down and, and uh play against that that bison head logo too it was fun nice and you mentioned there you, you like to get after you like to compete and obviously the middle position in the setter is just a great cat and mouse game uh is that where your mind goes a little bit because i think the setter position is pretty unique where uh technique is very important but you have to be aware of what everybody on your side and everybody on the other side is doing so well if you think about where you are when you're competing like where does your mind typically go do you kind of make it about you and the blockers or, or do you like to focus on your hitters is it everything is it nothing like wh where does your mind go it's a little bit on both like I when we're scouting film like we're kind of looking at how their blocker their middle blocker is set up whether he likes to follow the middle middle or stay kind of neutral um but once the game gets going then I kind of just more so focus on our side um especially at the start of the set try and get the middle going as much as I can try and hold their middle blocker a little bit longer um but yeah we do all the scouting and then kind of have a, a game plan going into it and then just kind of it's just kind of a feel thing right um we're our team is pretty strong on the pins so a lot of the balls generally go out that direction but uh you know like i said we try and get the middles going as early and often as possible 
And how is a setter, uh, like I think naturally it becomes a leadership uh, position on the court. How do you build those relationships? Because if you're working with a middle and they're late and they say, I'm going to fix it and you say, no, I'm going to fix it. Then it just becomes this like twisted thing where you're always kind of like trying to please each other or adjust where sometimes it works better if somebody just takes the leadership role being like, no, I'm going to fix it. You do the same timing. So uh, I'm curious how you are in the practice gym about building those relationships and kind of maybe fast forwarding through those soft conversations and somebody just kind of like owning it and letting the other guy know what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it was certainly tough. Um, my first couple months when I just showed up and I was out of the sport for six years, right? Cause I'm at that point still kind of learning, still kind of remembering things. Um, so at that moment it was kind of more so listening to the middles and what they had to say. And then by the end of the year, I was able to get a feel and be able to kind of tell guys, you know, maybe you got to be one step quicker or, you know, I, I got to put that ball higher. You're in a good spot. You have good timing there. Um, that sort of thing. And I feel like I do a good job of, of that now is kind of, especially with our middles, being able to see whether they're late or early or what's going on with them. Um, and yeah, our, our pin hitters are, they're smart guys. They, they know whether it's too, too fast or inside and, and they let me know. And, you know, when you set enough balls, you kind of get a feel for whether it's, you know, a bad setter or not. Right. It's yeah, such a good point that you were kind of in and out there for, for six seasons. And I think every volleyball player would say every time you go to the next level, the game gets a little bit faster and a little bit more physical. So with your own learning, how did you close that gap in terms of, uh, I imagine the tempo you're setting at Fraser Valley is a little bit different than you set in club in terms of like speed and location. I'm, I'm going out on a limb, but I'm going to say maybe you weren't setting the back row as fast as you are now, like those little things. Were you a big tape delay guy in practice? Were you a big watch practice in full after? Did you want coaches' feedback right away? Like, how did you kind of close this gap so you weren't just a hockey guy anymore that you could actually play some minutes and help the team win? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was doing pretty much anything that I could, right? Listening to coaches, asking for extra feedback, and really just watching a lot of volleyball because in the past six years, I didn't really watch much. Um, I'm, a big, I'm a big visual learner, so I pick a couple setters to watch and kind of pick up on some little things that they do. Um, and yeah, just like you said, trying to close that gap, just learning every day. It's a little bit of a cliche, right? But uh, just, just learning things from our other setter, Jonas, or our, I guess our assistant coach, Derek, um, he's really good with the setters. He knows a lot about the game. Um, but yeah, for me at the start, and even still now, it's just about getting a consistent ball, right? We we didn't really want to focus too much on the speed or the the tempo of it, right? Just kind of getting it to the pins, giving our, our outside guys a ball that they can swing on, and then we can work from our, our tempo from there. And, and now we're at the point where you know, we, we can really speed it up now, and I'm starting to hit my spots with a lot more consistency, so... It was a work in progress last year and it still is. Um, but uh, we made some some really big strides and that's uh, with the help of, of Jonas and Coach Nathan and, and our other coach, Derek. 
Um, when you're watching video, is there certain setters you like to watch? Because I think we've had TJ Sanders on the show a lot of times. The guy's awesome. Anytime he can make time for us, it's amazing. But uh, you mentioned there's certain things that every setter needs to do for the technique. But then there's like there's a lot of room for creativity in the position of how you want to do things and how you want to deliver the ball or how it should look. So uh, do you ever get lost in like a volumetrics rabbit hole just watching pro or club or national team? Or where do you typically go? Like, a, Is it somebody your body type or are you just looking at the best players in the world? Like, Where do you go when you got some some time to waste and watch some video of just some awesome setters. Yeah, no, I definitely go with uh, someone a little bit undersized like myself. Um, I look at Bruno. Bruno is someone that I always watched. Um, I remember watching the Olympics in 2008 and he went into the game, I think in the finals against the USA. And uh, ever since then, I always kind of kept tabs on him and uh to from Argentina are, are two guys that I, I love to watch. They're a little bit undersized, but they, they make up for it with their creativity and just their, their tenacity on, on defense to, to make stop too. And uh, obviously with your parents pedigree in the sports, uh, when you did switch to full-time volleyball, did, did the dinner table conversations get more intense where they started talking a little bit more technical tactical with you or were they just as supportive whether you're playing baseball, hockey, racquetball, whatever you're doing? Like I'm wondering, did uh, Big Russ decide to give you any of the stories about his day or anything? Has there been any like nerdy volleyball chats going on at the dinner table? Um, Not so much. Even like throughout the years as I was growing up, we never really talked too much about sports and, and things technically. Um, obviously my dad give me pointers here and there. And uh, when I, this past year, when I went out to UFE, he kind of just let me, let me do my own thing and figure it out. And if I had questions, I would ask him and he would, he would answer them. But uh, now, now that I've got a year under my belt, he's, he's almost asking, asking me stuff about, about uh, things to tell his setters with his club team that he coaches now too. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. So, uh, what can you tell me and the listeners what's going on with uh, the Fraser Valley Cascades next year? It looks like Easton uh, is going to transfer and you got Tucker coming in and Griffin coming in already to a, a pretty good roster that, like you said, uh, the, the results are what they are, but you guys battled a lot in five setters and I'm sure everybody's just a year older, ready to go. So uh, what's going on in Fraser Valley? Why should we be excited to watch you guys? Yeah, we, we got some new recruits, as you said, um, the goal as of right now is to have Jonas swing on the outside as a, as a left side. Um, so I'll be stepping in as a starting role. Um, as long as I put in the work, which I, which I feel like I have been all summer. Um, and yeah, you know, we, last year we had some tough, tough injuries. We lost Nemo Bene, our, our top outside, uh, for a good month. And Reese Wilson missed half the year. Jonas missed quite a bit of time to do with his injury. Um, so this year we're, we're just planning on taking another step forward in the right direction. Um, we've added some more depth to our team. So guys have an off night or just need to show them, show the opposition something different Then we, we have the guys now to do it. Um, something fun for our team too. I guess we're, we're off to Japan here right away. We're training with a team, um, Budo University. So we're going to Tokyo August 21st. We're going to spend 10 days there training. I think uh, USASC is coming as well. So we'll be mixing up teams and playing with some of those guys. And 
yeah, it's going to be a great experience playing volleyball in Japan. That, that's amazing. Yeah, Budo, uh, uh, some of our Ontario listeners would recognize their name because they used to do a partnership with York University. And uh, I have some friends who played at York, and it was always great to hear that uh, even though you don't speak the same language, everybody's so passionate about volleyball and friendly that you guys are going to find a way to communicate. And, I mean, athletes are athletes, and it's just going to be such a great experience. Plus, uh, you ever traveled like that? Have you been to Asia? Like, that sounds like a pretty unique experience yeah. just to live the lifestyle, right? Yeah, I've only ever been to Europe. Me and my family went when I was younger, but uh, you're never going to get a chance to do this again in your life, right? Is to go over there and play the competitive sport. And it's going to be a once in a lifetime opportunity. Man, it's so cool to hear about what the squad's doing. And I know, uh, I think the, the COVID era is finally over where I think uh, sports in general had a lot of turnover and it's exciting to hear what your roster is doing, but also so some fresh blood as I understand most teams lost a, a top player or two, but uh, one thing, just looking forward to your schedule, uh, pretty excited to go to Brandon this year. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, ever since the schedule came out, me and Reese have had that circle on our, on our calendar. <laughs> you had mentioned it earlier. We actually played them in a preseason game in Brandon and we beat them three sets to one. Um, so we're, we're looking to replicate that again, uh, coming up in December, although in December it will be cold in Brandon, Manitoba. So that's the one thing that we're not looking forward to. And with you guys in Abbotsford, uh, with the schedule, how often are you guys flying or busing? Like what is your transportation situation because you are so far West? Um, we fly, we will be flying everywhere this year. Um, we drive to UBC on our own, and then we bus to Kamloops at TRU. And we also drive to Trinity, which is like 25, 30 minutes down the road. Uh, but other than that, yeah, we got to fly, got to get over those mountains and, uh, and then go from there. Well, man, this has been sweet. Uh, such a unique experience and so cool to see that you're you're doing well. You're fighting for that starting spot. Uh, Fraser Valley are, are on the rise, so it'll be a lot of fun to watch and support you this year. Uh, I was hoping you could give us one more story before we let you go just because, you know, volleyball and sports in general are so unique and funny that there's some characters. So I was hoping you could just give us a funny story before we let you go. <laughs> um, well, huh. I got a couple. One of them was from the... Uh, NTCCs that were in that's what they were called before when I had done in the 16U kind of provincial team stuff it was in Kingston when I did it and uh, I just remember so we had a 16U team which I was a part of and then there was a 17U team and I just remember uh, Team Manitoba we were always playing pranks in the dorms because they were a room or a floor up on us and we had just terrorized the dorms as bad as that sounds um sorry grant and Lindsay, if you're listening but uh we were causing some serious trouble whether we were doing uh we call them leaners uh you like fill up the bucket uh with water and you knock on the door and it just sprays everywhere um we were moving furniture around because there there's like couches or whatever so we we're moving couches down the hallways just being 16 year old kids <laughs> pretty much living in dorms without our parents around. And uh, we definitely took full advantage of that, uh, that week together to, to really uh, make a mess of the place. Yeah. Hopefully if any coaches or parents are listening, statute of limitations, that was so many years ago, we can't be punished now for doing that stuff. So. 
<laughs> exactly. Well, man, this has been great. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing all that you did. Uh, I know you got practice, so thanks to you and Coach Bennett for approving this as you're going to be uh, just running over to the gym there and get your shoes on. So, like I said, best of luck with everything you got going on, and we'll be rooting for you this season. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on.